0: Greetings everyone and welcome to episode 80. Hard to believe we are already at 80 of Teaching Tales, the podcast wholly devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. It's been a couple of months. It's been a lot going on with COVID and school shut down and this has kind of been on the back burner, but I am back and I am super excited um, to share, not just with one special guest, but I've got two special ge- special guests today. Nairi Clark and Tori Waddington. How are you two doing today?
1: Hello, hello. So excited to be here today, Brent, and with everyone. Uh, definitely, I do know Tori, so it's always uh, a pleasure to, to be with my um, partner in crime there.
0: Yeah, we got all three of us are IAQ uh, mm-hmm. in the Q members. Tori is now a board member. so. Yay. Congratulations. Congratulations, which is super, super awesome. So, so before, like, so we know each other, but for folks who may not be familiar, to, uh, we'll start. Nairi. just a little background: Who are you? What do you What do you do? What's your position in education?
1: Hello. Okay, my name is Nairi Clark. I'm a curriculum program specialist for Colton Joint Unified School District. I started as a substitute teacher, became a teacher. And I have been in a district for 22 years. Through that time, I've only taught um, kinder to fourth grade, um, by my preference, because I like the littles. So I like to, uh, I like teaching reading. I like um, teaching the the little, little kids. Um, I have also been a GATE certified teacher, reading recovery teacher. A teacher on special assignment in our district pulls out small reading groups. And in the last three years, I became a curriculum program specialist uh, for technology, which is basically like an ed tech at the district level. So it's been a great ride. And you see those bumps because, you know, as you get a little stagnant in what you're doing, I I change positions to kind of level up myself. So... That that's is how me. We, that's how
0: we learn, we step. So, <laughs> so all right, Tori, how about you?
2: Hey, Tori Watlington again. Um, I've been working with the district for about six years, I think now. I started off as an aide, just a sub aide to get a job because my mom worked for the district and it would be an easy job to get. <laughs> Didn't have any aspirations to become an educator at all. Actually, did not like school. Was not the best student, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, I love it. I found a heart for special education, uh, particularly with children who have emotional disturbances or disabilities or uh, behavior kids for some. Uh, found a love for that. Been working with them for about five years, often on RSP. Next year I'll be going back to RSP for the kindergarten and first grade group. So I'm looking forward to that. And also once I got involved with IAQ, I got more involved with the technology side of education and became the webmaster for my site, and also trying to kind of help out with the district and stuff as well, too, with any technology
0: train, trainings or anything I can go to, so that's where I am now. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, so so for people listening, like Tori and I, we're, we're actually in the same district, so not at the same school, but we're in the same district, and your principal speaks very highly of you, Tori, so... Um, Good know. I know you're in a you're in a challenging position, a very challenging position, and and you're doing a great job from it from everything that I hear. So, well, I, I wanted as we were saying before I started recording, like I'm excited about this because what we're going to talk about today is something that needs to be talked about, and with everything that's going on uh, in our world right now. Um, it's dominating the headlines. As as I mean, unfortunately, it's it, the the reason that it's dominating the headlines is because some some horrible things have happened. Um, but it's bringing about some great discussions. I mean, from the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and and unfortunately, that list that's a that's not everybody on the list of 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 uh, people who've been killed. Absolutely. For police brutality, and, and, and it's, it's, brought to, it's brought to the forefront. Inequality, racism, that is just horrible. I mean, it is pulled back the curtain on, on something that is just absolutely horrible. And we need to talk about this. And mm-hmm. as a white man, uh, I'm, I'm white. I'm a white man. And right now with, I mean, I know the three of us are highly involved in Twitter. I mean, our professional learning communities, we're learning so much and, and right now on Twitter, there is a call to action of, of w- what can we do to make this situation better. And that's what I'm hoping to do with this conversation here is using my platform, albeit small. I mean, it's like <laughs> all that are listening. It's like, I don't, have, I don't have millions of followers or anything like that. But, but if this can be a safe space for, for me, to learn because I've been reading from White Fragility. I'm watching the documentaries. I'm reading blog. I mean, I'm educating myself, which I know mm-hmm. is a step that because um, I do enjoy privilege, I, and and I'm recognizing more and more that 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 I do that that other people do not, and I just I want to have an honest conversation again to to hopefully for anybody listening who may be in my shoes who may be kind of thinking what I'm thinking, that this can, this can help educate them. I was, I was talking to you before we recorded, I, and for those of you who are listening, I saw it's Emmanuel Acho. It, he is, for anyone who is, who is listening right now, I, I just highly recommend. Go look him up on YouTube. He's a former NFL uh, football player. Uh, he's now an analyst, and he he started hosting. He's done two episodes when as we're recording this, called Uncomfor- Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and the first one is just him by himself, just saying, you know, what I want to set up a safe space to answer the questions that my white brothers and sisters are asking me. That I mean, it's, it's simple of like, do I say black or African American? Oh like, yeah, like like because and and. I'm gonna be honest, you two. It's like when he said this, it's like, oh, thank you," because I, I haven't known the answer to that question. And I mean, can I ask? But I know what he said. May I ask you two? Like, what? What's the right answer? for you two, like, what?
1: Well, and thank you, Brent, for for saying that uh, safe spaces. Because I think while we are all in this situation, we're we're all living through COVID. We're all living through these social injustices. That it is so important for everyone to find a. Uh, to find a safe space where you can explore these conversations. If you don't feel safe, you're not gonna be completely honest. And this is the time to get honest. Mm -hmm. This is the time for us to really um, self reflect and and see So on that question about black and African-American, I I, I tell you that I use either one interchangeably, usually African-American. I, I use it in that sense be, to make the verbiage consistent with what is being shared and seen in my district. So if I have people that I am, uh, parents that I'm talking to that are non African American, I want them to, when they see those words, this is what it means and this is who the person is that it is attached to. So if I'm personal. It could be black with with whoever I'm I'm speaking with. But professionally, I like to keep the same verbiage, the same so that there's consistency there with the people that I support.
2: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I agree with Nairi. I'm the same way, whereas uh, I'll use it more in a professional sense, maybe to kind of go with the district. And just like she said, if I'm talking to parents, I don't want to say, oh, there's that black kid over there. I, Say, oh, the African-American student It's an African-American admin. Um, But if I'm comfortable and I'm around, you know, someone else I know, I may use the term black, just like an Irie would say. But I don't feel any kind of way if someone refers to me as, you know, a black guy or African-American guy, as long as it's in a respectful manner. I do feel like sometimes, I don't know, there's a tinge, there's a little bit of a cringe factor almost sometimes when I hear other, um, district people refer to students as black, like, or well, well, there was a black student outside. And it kind of just, I don't know, it's almost like a jab with it. It kind of comes off instead so of, oh, there's an African American student outside. So it doesn't really bother me, but I think in a professional sense, we should just stick to African American. I
1: completely agree. And part of that reasoning too, is just like what Tori said, you are going to bring your own biases, your own feelings, your own issues into those situations. So depending on where you're coming from, hearing someone else could take you to a whole different place when maybe that's not even what, what they're meaning or what they're saying. But if we just all can, um, when you're speaking with your district or, or, those systems that you um, that you're able to create, keep it consistent. Then I think it takes away from the guessing game of how it was said, what it was meant, and then you can move forward through that. So I I agree with that, Tori, and that's definitely true. But tone, intonation, how was it said? You know, all of that mm-hmm. comes into it because it it's, it's
2: necessary. Mm-hmm. Do you have to point out the race, or is it, was it like it, adding it was to the it was story? story, or because yeah. you said it's a student outside?
0: Yeah. You know? That's a great and, and you said Tori, is it was it respectful? I mean, like mm-hmm. that's really that's that. No matter who we're addressing, who we're talking to, that whether we're talking to a kindergartner, or whether we're talking with a high schooler, or whether we're talking with another adult, we want it to be respectful. I mean, that's what we're teaching our kids. Like tone of voice is everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <It's> Absolutely. Not,
0: <laughs> not say. we say this to kids all the time. It's not what you, it's not what you all I said was no. No, what you said was no. There's a difference. <laughs> it's not your word. It was the tone. So, and it was the roll of the eyes and all that good stuff. But um, yeah. thank thank you for that. I mean, because that's that's. I'm hoping anyone like I'm getting something out of that. I mean, consistency is, is what I what I heard you what I heard
1: absolutely you say, with absolutely
0: consistency and respect and and it's not necessarily offensive or something like a, it's just. Be respectful. Okay, that that's that's fantastic. So, so as as I was kind of prepping and getting ready for our conversation, and, and as I've been reading and and the blog post and the book and and everyone has a different story, and the, this whole podcast is about stories. And I mean, people learn by stories. I mean, we we remember stories, and I think one of the dangers is assuming that. And as I've listen to people talk. One of the dangers is assuming that everybody has the same story and and whether so whether uh, those in the white community or in the, in the black community. I mean, it's like that assuming that everyone is lumped together and has the exact same story. I mean, our, our, our pastor right now in my church, I mean, he's, he's been having similar conversations in safe space with, with African-American members of the congregation and, they haven't all been the same story, <laughs> which, which has been a Absolutely. little, but, um, but that's great. So it's like, I wanted to like to ask you to, I mean, if you're, whatever you're comfortable sharing, like just your road to education. And in terms of the inequality that does exist and the racism that does exist uh, again, everyone has their own story, but is there, is there anything that, that you guys want to share kind of with your 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 story that that others would get something out of
1: well um, I'll, I'll start I'll have to say my journey so I'm I'm a little bit older than Tori, so my uh, the things that I've gone through may be a little bit different. I was raised with my grandmother. So my grandmother raised me and my sister. I had parents that came in and out, but definitely raised by a, uh, by a community, like a, a family community. And uh, we were in San Bernardino. And because we were in a low-income area and I was fairly intelligent, I was the student that was always bused to a a fluent area so that they could diversify. So I didn't go to school with with kids that were in my neighborhood, I was bussed out where my sister stayed in the neighborhood. And when I was bussed out, it, it felt very isolating because now I'm in, a, in an area where there's no one that looks like me or very random. So there may be one African-American student in each class while I'm and I'm there. And I literally from San Bernardino, I was bussed to Belvedere, which back in that day was very affluent and hardly any uh, African-American students in that, in that part of town. But that led me to always wonder, like, I wish there was more people that look like me. And I have, I will never forget, Mrs. Hernandez. I love her. She was everything that I wanted to be as a teacher. Every month, we had a different theme in the classroom. I love that. She was dressed beautiful. She was like the Mexican Beyonce or Latinx Beyonce. She was just always beautiful, gorgeous, and just very welcoming. And, And she wanted all the students, like, she was culturally relevant Way back when she made sure that we all had a voice. We all felt loved. We were all valued. And no matter if I had the same thing on three or four times in the week, she, she didn't care about that. I had to make sure I was performing just like all the other kids. And I told her, I, I wish there were just more African-American um, teachers here. And she's like, you'd be one. You can grow up and be a teacher. you be a teacher. And that was the first seed planted, fourth grade. Like, really? That's an I could do that? And planting seeds, and and as I as I went through school, I was part of of like Upward Bound and, and different programs like that, where they would have um, people college come in and help those students that needed that assistance. My grandmother didn't know what a FAFSA was or any of that stuff, but they would t- they would help me fill it out. They'd go home and tell her sign right here, and I went to college. So I was the first person in my immediate family, but not first person in the family to go to college, but. And then I was able to help other other stu- um, people in the neighborhood. Oh, this is what a FAFSA is. I got you. This is, this is how you go to college. This is when you start to fill it out. Don't wait until May. Like, this needs to get done earlier. Yeah. So that sense of empowerment. And I will remember the first year I became a teacher, I was teaching kindergarten. I had a parent, white parent, that um, did not want their, their daughter in my class because I was black. Mm. and and it was devastating I I went above and beyond for all of the children I was just so happy to be there I grew up in Rialto but I work in Colton because I want to work close to my community I want the kids in my community to see that they can accomplish this you can live right here in these apartments and become whatever you want to be and i did it and i want you to see how that looks and so to be that example and help them through that well luckily for me i had a admin that what african-american lady but she would not let him move uh move the daughter out of that class daughter left me i left daughter it was it was the parents so i figured you know i want to love this girl and teach her so much that she will always question anything that may be negative in that house so i taught her and i i taught all the kids you know and towards the end of the year Dad was fine, you know. We, we survived. He wasn't rude or anything. They did move, but that that daughter. I'm hoping I was able to plant that seed to allow her to see something different, you know. Yeah. And then I want to quickly share this part, Tori, before your turn. Um, I also have a personal, uh, kind of a, a personal thing that happened because many teachers have kids. So when my son who um, my son went to middle school and he went to my husband's school district. So we're both teachers and he, uh, we moved him, we transferred him to my husband's school district. Well, he's an in, inter district transfer and he was in um, a, a AP class. And um, the teacher called and was saying, you know, your son, like all these negative things, your son is not paying attention. Your son is not doing this. Your son is not doing that. Just all of these really negative things. And then kind of, I felt chastising me about possibly um, parenting. Well, you know, he's in interdistrict. you know, so there were assumptions that came with that with poor grades. So I, I let her tell me her thoughts and then i quickly said okay well let me explain who i am so i explained who i was that i am an educated woman i'm a teacher my husband is x y and z my son is going to stay in that class and let me tell you his background i gave her all the context of who my kid is and all of a sudden everything was okay she she treated him differently. All of a sudden, she got very invested in him because she knew I was invested. And I can come to your school and let's have a conversation, all of us together. And no, 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 no. She didn't want to do that at that time. She understood. And from that moment on, she had a different a different way of, of dealing with my son. And my son's a high achieving student, but he was having some uh, a moment adjusting to a new school. Um, so, but I say that to say she assumed because of who I am how I was and she couldn't have been further from the truth and then she had to deal with me and not in a negative way but she knew that I was accountable so I held her just as accountable as she was holding me and my son to those standards and that does not always happen with with other people but that is something that consistently has happened with me and with my, and with my son and my son is biracial. So my husband is Caucasian and depending on which parent is dropping him off at places, we get a very different reaction and response to how my son is treated. And um, just from that as well. So I'll let you go. Tori.
0: Tori and you're being for people listening it. You're nodding your head. It's like, and you're nodding your head. I'm shaking my head, like, because that's happening. That I mean, that happens, yeah. and it, it's never happened to me. And and that's not right. So, Tori, go ahead. All right, and
2: real quick before I start, I was really nodding my head when you um, when i said after she told the teacher like what she was all about and where she came from, then she started getting kind of like a level of respect. And I was just kind of thinking to myself, like, yeah, you do have to do that sometimes. You have to almost walk around with these, like, credentials or badges just so people can respect you. Because as soon as they see you based off your skin tone, they automatically, like, kind of subcategorize you. Like, oh, I I can talk to this person in any kind of way probably. They probably don't have an education. They probably can't do this. And you have to constantly prove yourself or one-up next person just to be respected as almost the lowest level person in the room. Mm -hmm. So it's like a constant climb that's, like the majority of your career which is why you don't see a lot of african-american people retiring at the age of caucasian people they have to work a lot harder and longer just to get up to that point so i just want to get out get that out the way oh, thank you but uh i'm not sure if you're aware brent but i did um graduate from this district oh, i did i was I got- uh yeah i was born and raised in oceanside california uh moved up here for middle school on sixth grade Went to Shabela. Are we allowed to name drop schools in here? I, I was okay. a,
1: Name Drop It. I don't know Shabela.
2: <laughs> no, I went to Shabela. <laughs> had a great time there. I didn't have, really didn't have many issues there outside of the typical middle school kids being dumb. In high school, I went to Mar- Marietta Valley High School. Um, I went there. I wanted to go to Vista when it first opened up, like every kid. And um, you can attest to this, Brent, that when it did open up, the majority of students of color ended up at Vista, whereas Marietta Valley was still uh, primarily you know, Caucasian. Yeah. And when I graduated in 2009, Marietta was still less than 1% black. So it was um, really not a lot. There was a handful of us. You could literally fit us all maybe at two tables in the whole school. And um, in high school is where I started to kind of experience racism and just like passive aggressive comments on my race and everything. One that sticks out to me is um, when Obama ran and me finally being of age to vote. You know, I was a part of the Black Student Union BSU. I was a part of ASB. I was very involved. My mom worked at the high school and made sure I was very involved, you know, because she knew. She knew the life of a Black man and she knew that I would have to have a lot of these credentials to kind of help me out. So I was very involved. And I remember when Obama won, like the whole day, people I didn't even know were coming up to me. They're like, congratulations, not even like with a smile. And I'm like, I didn't get the presidency. Like, I get it. I'm excited too. I'm excited. I'm happy. Me and my family are very happy, but you don't have to congratulate me, like just because we have a black president now. And they they kind of looked upset. And I remember just plenty of times walking to class and hearing students, um, Caucasian students, just free, freely use the N-word around me when referring to somebody else, like in their neighborhood or whatever, all oh, this N-word, blah, 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 drove by my house, da 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 da. And I'm just like, it's it's sad to say, you know, and Irene can probably attest to this, at some point, I don't want to say you get jaded to hearing stuff like that, but you definitely get into a choose your battles mode. You're like, am I really about to make a scene right here? Because I know for a fact, I'm going to be the one to get in trouble, especially because the person I heard at that particular time was a young Caucasian girl. So I was like, I'm definitely, definitely don't have the one up right here. So I just kind of shrugged it off. I've had passive aggressive comments from teachers Uh, In high school, uh, one teacher in particular, who I forgot his name, thank God, (laughs) uh, he would always say stuff about just like African-American people, just kind of like, one one student came in a little late, and the teacher was like, why are you late? And before he could even explain himself, he said, the teacher was like, well, before you say anything, you can't start off with what had happened was, because black people always use that. This was not a black teacher. And I'm just like, what? Wow." Just this, this stuff like that. And, you know, yes. they kind snicker because they're like, well, I didn't use a rude term. I didn't do anything. So it's still kind of funny, right? And this is kind of like you're in a position where you want to say something. You're also a student. You're also a young black student. And you're a young black student in an area where there's not a lot of black support. So you kind of have to calculate, like, how far am I really going to get if I say something? Is it really worth the hassle? Is anyone going to believe me or try to shrug it off and just be like, whatever. I won't have this teacher again in a few weeks. So... I will say everything changed for me when I graduated and went to college, and I went to the Grambling State University. Shout out my favorite university of all time, Grambling State University. I'll say it again. Uh, right. It's an excellent HBCU. And for the listeners who don't know what the HBCU is, it is a historical black college university, and they weren't created just for black people to keep you know Caucasian people out. They were created because. Caucasian people were keeping black people out of college, so they had to make their own. And so anyone can go there, and I recommend it. I I loved it, and I feel like it was a huge culture shock. It was one jump going from Oceanside and, like, the North County area where there's – that's a pretty diverse group, you know, down there. You got – you know, because it's so close to San Diego, there's a lot of – Latinx is correct term, correct? All right. There's a lot of Latinx people. You still have your Caucasian people because you have the beach and stuff. So you have surfers, all the people in the military out there and a lot of African-Americans. So I was kind of I had a lot of friends of every race down there and I was kind of cool. with And so and in the Marietta, like I said, there really wasn't a lot of <laughs> people. I had I mean, I had uh, white friends and they were fine. They were cool. You know, they weren't doing anything crazy. Um, they will protect me if something happened. But when I moved to Louisiana and went to an HBCU, it was not only a culture shock because I was surrounded by all you know black people, which I loved, and I was surrounded by all black people who were breaking the stereotype. Mm. Like, until then, I had not really seen much black professionals. When I got down there, it was like everybody down there was ready to become a lawyer, a doctor, an admin, a psychologist, open up a business, Everybody, and they still were able to be black, which made me happy, comfortably black, I'll say that. Um, They were able to still drive around, listen to the music they wanted to listen to, dress how they wanted to dress, do what they wanted to do, and still be respected on a professional level, which is something I haven't seen since I've left that area. And so when I got involved in teaching as an aide, like I said, I started off because it was an easy job. I really wanted to be... (laughs) a writer. Uh, I have my undergrad in journalism. So I really wanted to be a writer. And then I, like I said, I just kind of had a heart for the special ed community. And also I started noticing that everywhere I went, random black students would kind of like point to me. And it reminded me that when you are, um, I keep using, I'm just gonna keep using black. I don't want to keep changing. I'm sorry. When you are black, um, and you go somewhere that is not really primarily your race. When you do see another person of your race, you're just kind of like, hey, yeah, it's you. Hey, okay, we're here together. And yeah, so absolutely. I kind of seeing a Black educator on campus, and I was like, okay, there's a need for this, obviously. So I just pursued it, and now I love it. All all of the um, Black students on my campus immediately kind of come up to me when they feel unsafe, and I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm here for you. Let's talk it out. I understand I'm on a different level. Um, they may do something that the school may not understand, and I'm able to kind of bring in the perspective from my community on no, that's not what they meant. This is what they really meant. And kind of, you know, help out in difficult situations there. But at the same time, it kind of gets tiring. I don't want to, it's almost like if we were, if all three of us were working together on campus and anytime a Caucasian student came up to me, I was like, oh, can't help you. Let me go find Brent. <laughs> so right. I'll go find you. <laughs> <laughs> or if it was a female, oh, okay, help you, let me find an I read. You don't know how to help the student if you want to work on campus. You can't say, yes. Oh, I can't help you. Let me go find a black representative for our campus to help you. And I kind of find myself in those situations a lot. I'm not unhappy at my site. I don't, you know, hey, I, I gotta get this RSP job next year. <laughs> but um it is and it is no, it's no fault to them. You know, they love me, they respect me there, and I understand, but that's why there's like such a need for more educators of color uh there's only let's see me if i'm correct there's only three of us three or four of us on campus who are um, black and i'm the only teacher and then one's a counselor and then one's an aide and then one's a behavioral therapist who's there kind of off and on and so that's it the rest are all you know white and you know you have some latinx sprinkled in a few the asian community sprinkled in but uh one thing that maybe Notice um, the main difference, uh, one quick story or two. Uh, once I left campus to get lunch and I came back and as I was trying to get in, this is not the first time this happened a parent stopped me and they're like, hey, can I help you? And I'm like, nope, uh, just trying to get back to my job. And they're like, oh, you have your badge? And I'm thinking like, I know you didn't ask anybody else this. I know for a fact, I don't always wanna play the race car, but I'm like, I know for a fact, you did not ask anybody else's who has a key to a back gate <laughs> who's getting on campus, can I see your badge? And so I was like, I said, no, I said no. And I just opened the gate and I went in and they were just kind of like upset. And then also on top of that, I feel like I have to dress a certain way. Whereas oh, yeah. the teachers can come in in hoodies and sweats and shorts and stuff like that. And it's fine, it's casual. But then when I do it, it's, it's street wear. Or, oh, it's hip hop. Oh, sorry, oh, that's yeah. cool. You look like Fresh Prince. And it's like, I'm just trying to dress. I don't look at you and say you look like I don't I don't know I was trying to think of a I don't know I don't know like, I don't say stuff like that hey you look like Jim Carrey today no this is this is an outfit and it's shouldn't my race shouldn't, you know and my outfit shouldn't make some type of you know symbol to you so that's kind of been my experience um less in IAQ I've learned that's a pretty good diverse group and I've learned a lot of respect there because we're already like in our own subcategory of of nerds, you know, to kind of say we're all kind of getting along together anyway. And that's why I love IAQ so much, and Q so much, because I've been so respected and welcome there. And ideas like this and equity and action, shout out. It's all oh, yeah. it's welcome. Everyone's like, Yes, let's do it. Let's let's fight these let's stereotypes, let's bridge these gaps. So yeah, I talked way too long. Sorry. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Corey, I just I love it because when you said that about clothes, it just made me see. Brett, you probably don't know this, but for the African American woman, when we are talk, uh, when we're thinking about um, job interviews, one of um, one of the things that we have to think about is how is your hair going to be. Um, usually, before a job interview, I have I make sure that it is straight and it's it's all tucked under so nicely to make sure that when you're interviewing, hopefully they can see past your color and they can see you and your words because coming in with your hair braided or if it's in a very um, wavy curly pattern can have uh, annotations that you have no idea of of what their context is with that. So um, they're, there's that. I've I've had situations like that where I I dress a certain way to get the job, and then once I get the job, then I can be more of myself. Within after that job has been secured, then I can I can put my hair in braids or I can do different things that I I want to do because I've I've been allowed or that I've had the ability to get my foot in the door, and now I can I can grow after that.
0: Which. First of all, thank you for for both of you sharing those stories because you're right, nari. i I haven't thought about that. I mean, I don't have any hair, but <laughs> but but, in terms of job interview of of having to straighten your hair and going back to what you said, Tori, and I heard somebody else in in a video that I watched, like you're having to work twice as hard to get to the same spot, and you're having to do you're having to think about something extra just in terms of the dress for a for a job interview um i mean as you're talking about that i'm i'm thinking there there's an example one small example of privilege that that i that that i possess that i didn't that i didn't ask for or or that i may not that i wasn't even necessarily aware that i had I mean, if i could i want to share a story just about my privilege i mean um, as I was doing my admin credential, as I was clearing my admin credential, um, one of my, my buddies and I, another, another principal, we were, and we did a, an equity activity uh, where we were all in a room and there were different tables and each table had kind of a theme. It was like um, ethnicity, religion, gender. I mean, those types of things. And, and there was a piece of paper and a little tub of beads like that you would make a bracelet and everyone got a piece of string and there were questions on each piece of paper. So the questions about gender question about race question about skin color, things like that. And every time you could answer yes to a question, you would take a bead and you would add it to your, to your little bracelet thing. And, and then you would rotate to the different things to different tables. So and when we were done, My buddy and I looked and it's like, I need a bigger string because I mean, I was embarrassed because, and and I looked around to, and there were several African-Americans in the room, several African-American women in the room. And some of the questions were things like, I've never felt like I didn't get a job because of the color of my skin. Never felt like I didn't get a job because I'm a woman. Never felt because of my, I mean... I'm I'm a, I'm a white male. I'm a Christian white male. I mean, so it's like, that's like, there's a lot of privilege. And, and I, up until that point, I had never, there were some things that I knew, but there were other things I'd never even considered. Never even considered. I mean, recently I I tweeted about like, I take, I I take walks every day in my community. I, 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 because I can. My daughter Who's gonna be a sophomore in college? Who, by the way, is a writing major, Tori. So <laughs> he wants to be a writer too. But she does that because she can. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't fear for my safety, I don't fear for her safety. And just now, in these last few weeks, more than ever before, I'm like, I'm recognized, and I'm just, this is great but everybody should feel like this, <laughs> like, like it shouldn't just, I shouldn't be um, I shouldn't be the only one who could walk without feeling like they're going to be hunted. I mean, which is just, it, it's disgusting what, what is going on. So, um, I mean, as you were sharing that story, it's, it's like, Ooh. And, and one of the questions that we had talked about, like, since I'm just going to go there now, like I'm telling you it's there but on for meaning white privilege mm-hmm. it what what would you say to cuz because there are people out there who say no it's not it's like who 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 would argue no it's white privilege is, is not real or it's not that big a deal or it's it's not that it's not that what, what how would you respond to that because again I think that we need to respond to that. I mean, like, I'm reflecting and I'm realizing, geez, but I can't speak for everybody. And how would you respond to that?
1: Absolutely. There, there's two folds I have um, that I would like to start with. One is that um, while all three of us are sharing, like, hopefully people will, will know that we're ex- expressing what's happening with us. But yeah. like the hair thing and things that are happening with Corey, that may not be all African-American. People haven't done that, but that's you know my experience, and that was something that happened with me. And uh, to piggyback on what you said with your daughter, Brett, um, my son would have to walk from his um, middle school to hit my son's uh, to my husband's high school, and we um, again he he's a biracial student, but we have to have the talk with him of no wearing hoodies, no earbuds in. When a police officer stops you, this is how you you need to respond. Make sure, like the whole list. Also, my husband was stopped by the police officer. He starts automatically going through uh, to get his his um, his driver's license and the paperwork. And then while he's doing that, he it just dawned on him. He's telling my son, son, if this happens to you, you cannot start touching things when you were in the car you need to put your hands here so even within our family we have that conversations about race all the time because the privilege that my husband experiences and that is he's just born with because of, of race um my son and i do not share and that is definitely a difference um how we have to um how we have to perceive, and i will tell you that still as a african-american mother i i was still worried about him getting from point a to point b i pray for my child every time he leaves this house that we started ubering him just for safety because i wanted him to safely get from one point to the next point and i didn't want him walking uh, because it to me it was safer for him to get from one point to the next point without a police officer thinking he fit the description of someone and and any of that, and so that is that's what we chose to do. And I was sharing earlier, Tori. Um, You and Brett can play my little game right here. I was sharing with Brett that on Instagram, I found um, this checklist of privilege by uh, Wellness Dialogues. And it's a checklist of about 40 different questions to ask yourself, like you were saying with the beads. Mm -hmm. So I just just quickly typed down. Uh, typed in some that I want to share with you guys that affected me so you just think about this checklist uh, about your level of privilege and then let's talk about it after this so here's my questions for you okay I can shop without being followed or harassed I can trust that police will protect me I often see people of my own race in the media I have been told that people of my race have made my country's heritage. I do not worry about my children experiencing harm because of the color of their skin. I can wear my hair naturally and go to work. I do not have to teach my children about systematic racism to protect them. I can wear my hair naturally without people asking to touch it. I can speak without comments on my articulation. I can, I, can I, um, I am not asked to speak on behalf of my entire racial group. I do not have to change how I speak in a professional setting to be respected. I can speak out in a meeting without being feared or isolated or disconnected. I can easily take classes that center my race. I can be late without it being reflected upon my race. I, can wel- I am welcomed in most institutions. I can expect the arts to reflect my race. I can assume a leadership position somewhat easily. Like these are just some of them. If you don't feel like there is a such thing as white privilege, you really have to be able to self reflect and check your biases. Because it's there. And it, and it is not to say that Caucasian and white people are bad. It is saying that there are just some privilege you have. So now that you know that you have it and you can res- respect it, recognize it, what are you going to do with it? Like, what, what can you do to, to move forward with it? How can you use it for good? You know what I mean? Like, how can you use it to affect and impact other people?
0: Because... I- because I would answer yes to every single one that you just read.
1: And I'm a no on every single one.
0: Yeah, I'm a no too, especially when you said
2: the articulation piece. I was thinking about that earlier. I'm like, I always get that. Oh, you're so well-spoken. Oh, you're so oh, Yeah. And I'm like, okay, thank you. I, I do not know yeah. if you expected me to just be like breakdancing in the corner or something, but-
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like
2: I have an education. I have my master's degree i uh, you know, I'm working hard. I'm a part of different boards, different organizations. But yeah, I th-
0: I think, gosh, I'm so glad that you shared that, because I think what a, it's such a perfect example for. And again, I didn't, I didn't ask for that. I didn't, and I've and I've heard it's like you don't you don't have to feel guilty for, because you it's not, but you need to acknowledge it absolutely, and, and then do and if there's something in your power to make it so that you could answer yes to, (laughs) to those questions, then do. And and again, that's kind of the hope with this conversation because for anyone listening who's like, no, it's not real. It's like, did you answer yes to every one of those? Like me?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And, and knowing, knowing educators need to know that if, if you say, I see no color, that that is not a compliment to anybody, for yourself or anybody, because thank goodness we're such a diverse group of people, especially here in Southern California. We're so diverse, and there, there's so much to learn from each other that, yes, we, we see color. We are different. And how can our differences make us even a stronger community? That's where we need to go. You know, like, how can we come together and learn from different people? I learned from my husband. He learns from my culture. He's a football coach. We learned from his Polynesian football players. I mean, there was always, uh, at the end of the practice, he allowed one person on the football team to share their culture with the whole football team So at the end of every practice. So those students were so strong with each other because they knew where they were coming from. They knew what drove them. And they, they had an opportunity to experience that with each other. So as educators, we need more opportunities to to build each other up and to, to be in it together and to be there for our students and, and celebrate mm-hmm. what makes us different as nothing wrong, but yeah. as, as positives, you know, that can help build each other up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not I, I don't see color. I see it and I honor it. And I honor the culture. I honor... I used to Absolutely. say, not even like skin color, but like just teaching. I mean, when I was, when I was in the classroom, I I was, I had a sp- particular style, the grade level team that I taught with, we, it was awesome because we were all different. <laughs> and I used to say like, gosh, if we were all like me, this would not be good. I mean, but <laughs> but, but there were certain kids, I was the right teacher for that kind of yes. stuff.
1: But there are yes. other ones
0: that's like no 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 you need to go down need to go down to her yep. you need to go down to him because there was something for everyone
1: and absolutely
0: diversity is what made us such a strong team and, and and no matter how great a person is if everyone's the same that's so exactly so so what so actionable because I think like for me I'm the leader of a school. For teachers or leaders who are listening right now, the call—the call to action—has been put out there. You, I mean, you—you looking through the Twitter feed, and it's just like, what can it, what can you do? This is a start. We're having a we're making a podcast. We're reading. We're stuff like that. But for, for from you too, I think anyone listening right now who may be sitting in my walking in my shoes, sitting in my position, or maybe a classroom teacher what can others do specifically others in the white community and non-african american non-non-people of color what what can they do to make to 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 fight the racism that is that is going on the inequity that's going on the the privilege i mean what can we do do you guys just have some 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 baby steps i mean big steps baby steps because i think any step in the right direction is is the first step. So
1: you want um, to start? Go ahead. Yeah,
0: because one was sticking out to me.
2: I would say one thing we can kind of start with, especially in the realm of education, is um, during Black History Month, um, there's there's so much more to Black history than Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and Slaves. It's so, so much more. A Black person invented the traffic lights. You know, a Black person did the first open heart surgery on babies successfully and kind of invented that. And so I feel like a lot of students coming in at a young age with Black history and throughout, I mean, we can all attest to this. It doesn't change from grade to grade. Every grade level during Black history month, you're still learning about Martin Luther King, <laughs> Rosa Parks, and slavery all the way up to 12th grade. So that's that's their only view on the Black community, as we came in lesser than. We came in as slaves, and we have always had to fight. Whereas, yeah, that's a big part of our history, too. But there's also another bigger part of the history where we've come in and we've kind of like set the, what's the word I'm looking for, set the path for certain um, advancements in medicine and science and technology. And I think if people are taught that growing up, then they'll naturally not see, Well, I would hope they would naturally not see an uh, African-American person as a lesser than, because they won't see them and be like, oh man, a black person, slavery, oh man, I should treat them this way It's like, oh, man, a black person. Oh, yeah, one of them invented uh, this in medicine. Oh, that's cool, you know, and it's just a different way of looking at them, whereas in other history, you don't just hear about how Caucasian people suffered and where they started off, and it's just all these great things they've done, and so you naturally see them as great people, you know? Same with, um, like, history for Latinx people and just – all of that stuff. I think there needs to be a lot more deeply rooted. Um, They should invite African-American speakers to come speak at schools. I'm tired of kind of walking around and seeing the same Martin Luther King coloring page every single year, and that's that's Black History, that's it. We did that, and we watched a little PBS special on YouTube. All right, cool, let's move forward. It's like, no, have somebody come in who can really, really teach Black history that's outside of the norm so that they have a different perspective on what the black life is like, and I think that's one way to really start. Um, you have a follow up, Nari. I didn't really have a follow up.
1: Oh, no worries at all. Um, I'd like to um, piggyback and add on to what Tori is saying. It's definitely teaching multiculturalism all year long and all the cultures. So if you yeah. are, if you're, if it's Thanksgiving time, then what are we? T- how are we bringing in all the cultures? during that time to supplement what's happening and going deeper in that so we're not just teaching these subjects in isolation you know we're not just giving Black History Month uh, in February because I remember feeling invisible until February and then all of a sudden you have all this attention and then it peels off again when you go on to the next one you know January you're like okay it's time for you know my Asian American friend is going to get some recognition now and then it'll be my turn next time but then outside of that you don't have that so teaching that multiculturalism throughout embedded throughout everything and that that is going to mean us teachers working together to find those supplemental resources and and looking on on twitter and and finding um, um connecting with uh, our equity group we have resources on different um re, uh, books for students that are multicultural all the way up so doing that all uh, um working with the community, like Tori said, bringing in people, bringing in your parents that could be, um, that can help to um, add context. Um, Also, Like you were saying, Brent, we're reading, we're all reading, and we're reading from the perspective of what we need. So what you're reading, Brent, is probably different than what I'm reading, but we're still reading. So having those conversations and seeing like, hey, what, what are you learning? What am I learning? Doing book talks. I signed up for a book talk with Midnight Pedagogy on culturally relevant responsive teaching. Amazing, you know, on your own. So, um, looking for those resources and maybe doing book studies with your grade level, or if your school, I have um, in our district, we have uh, elementary principal. Shout out to Jessica Gomez that uh, leads the way at doing book studies with her whole staff. So that staff is strong in those strategies and those thoughts and feelings. Um, moving forward when the kids come they always do it in the summer and then when the kids come back they have those strategies to build on and also for teachers it is, it's our time to be transparent to be a little vulnerable check our biases we all have them check our biases and and really see where we can move we're all in different places so see what we can do to move forward to be better teachers for those kids that we serve and not, not let it be about ego, but what can we do to make it better for this kid in, in the class? You know, and all the kids, giving all those kids voices.
0: I, I, I love that. I mean, and what you had said, Tori, about, uh, and from, to me, that, that does not, don't pigeonhole Black History Month to Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, slavery. There's so much more. And that that's, seems like a relatively, easy thing in sort of like, it's not like you're going to have to go dig in every, it's like, that's something that we can do. I love that. And, and can
1: I add something? Yeah. Cause it, you just made me think about it when you were talking about Tori being able, what Tori said is that you want people to to see African Americans as humans you know that's that's part of the the problem that we're having with all this social injustice is that we're not being valued as human beings and we do that during literature have your students read stories where kids are doing the same things as all the other kids you know so we should be reading nonfiction as well as fiction they should be able to see strong african-american characters that are superheroes that are that are in these different areas where they're being regular people not struggling so yes that was the hard part about Black History Month Is you know when it came everyone's going to look at you and it's going to be slavery and it's like a downer it's very depressing because that's not that doesn't make anyone feel good either you know at, at our time but what about reading some stories where we have characters that are strong and vibrant and problem solvers and and they're seen as people that's going to help Um, humanize us you know because for some people we just aren't unfortunately we are not seen that way and if we can start with these the younger generation and start giving them those literatures of all the cultures where they can see all of themselves as being humans and being people and seeing the commonalities that we all share that will that will make a big shift as well
0: yeah when you when you'd said like make it a year-long thing and not just that reminded me, I remember hearing, hearing one of the teachers in our district talk about her son, like my son hates a spotlight. I mean, like, like he does like Friday flag awards and stuff. Like he didn't want to get those awards because he doesn't want to walk up on stage. And, and, and 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 that just reminded me of, of one of the African-American teachers in our district was talking about her son. And during black history month, kind of like you had said, Tori, like everyone's, Oh, pointing at you like oh there's there's somebody who looks like the spotlight was completely shined on for for that and it's like some kids don't want that like at it, all like, and just so what a great reminder of if we can just is this isn't every just celebrate celebrate those cultures all the time and what you said too is you you use that word like i think you said uncomfortable that's for me like my takeaway for for what I've been reading and and we're doing our district is doing, I mean, Tori, you probably saw the email come through, like white fragility. We're doing a district-wide book study. Admin had already been mm-hmm. on this road doing that. And I and I'm telling you, like, I've got my wife reading the book right now, and it's uncomfortable.
1: Oh
0: and yeah. I just because I'm reading stuff where it's like, oh. I never thought about that before and I think what I would just say for anyone who's listening to this right now who is who is perhaps in a position like me embrace like embrace the discomfort because yes. we say it we say it to our students all the time absolutely mindset this is how you grow it's going to be hard yep <laughs> Are we willing to do it i mean and again that's so much easier said than done but we got to practice what we preach and and um
1: absolutely brent we grow in discomfort Mm -hmm. you know we don't we don't grow when we're when everything is fine and even we grow when we're discomfort when we're uncomfortable because we want to get comfortable again so we work on the things that will help us get to that comfort level but can you just imagine like right now we're probably almost all of us very uncomfortable. And, mm-hmm. and if we're learning and growing, can you imagine what we're going to be able to create and the shifts that we're going to be able to make mm-hmm. for these students and for, for right. each other? Like I am, I'm just so excited about what can be.
0: Oh yeah. sure. From, from, yeah, what, what we're talking about in terms of equality and, and racism But with the COVID shutdown and schools, think of what teachers have been forced out of necessity. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When we, if and when we get back to some semblance of normal the the tools, the skills that teachers have now, that admin has now to, I mean, things like we're doing this through Zoom right now, which most people had never done before, before this part of our tool belt. that our teachers had been introduced to, but now it's part of their repertoire. They're they're using it all the time. So super super exciting. Nairia and Tori, I just I'm thank you. I, I I'm this has been again, this has been a great conversation. Mm-hmm. An uncomfortable little time because it's kinda of like, ooh, it's like but, <laughs> But God darn on it. That's that's how we learn. And for anybody listening, thank you for listening to this. Because if I think if everybody's doing their little, if everyone's doing their part, and 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 speaking up. I mean, that's what I've heard a lot. Is when you when you hear what can you do? What can you do? When you hear somebody doing something, saying something racist, saying something that's offensive, saying like you had said, Tori, and I've heard that before. Oh, you 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 speak really well. Yeah, you know, like, right. Backhanded compliment, or absolutely, I, so it, micro it, it, it's a microaggression. Exactly, like calling calling somebody on that, and, and not that you have to get come to blows or something, but just I'm like, dude, or if they're not, you hear somebody say it to someone else, pull that, pull that aside, because the frustrating or the hard thing is that may be a family member. Oh, for sure. Prop- good chance that's that's a family member, so that conversation is going to be hard, but it's never going to. It's never going to change if we don't have those conversations
1: to be done. Absolutely, Brad. I tell you what, my husband and I have been married for 25 years, and we've been together 31 years, and I'm 48, so right out of high school. And we have a lot of family members that we've had to – that have had to unlearn some – some things so it's professionally and personally we all go through it but if we're able to do it um, you know together strengthen each other I I will suggest for people that are on Twitter one of the things that um, I've noticed that you know Twitter can be a little bit uncomfortable right now and one of the one of my um, pro tips create yourself a list so this was the first time I'd done it. I created a list of people or organizations that I want to follow that um, are on diversity and, and, and racism and just the, the, the subjects that I'm looking at right now. And when I go to Twitter, I can click on that list and I can get right to the people that I really need to get that content. So so if, if you're taking a social media break because of it not be feeling very positive or friendly for you that could be a way for you to still go on twitter still use those resources but just narrow your focus where you're getting exactly to um the information that you need to to get to great that was helpful for me
0: yeah great tip well again i i want to thank you too um for and you've you've referenced equity in action i mean like so contact information and and if there's anything anyone who's listening like um who's like, I want more. Where can I find more? Where can I connect with Nyree? Where can I connect with
1: (laughs) This is scoop. So thank you, Brett, for, for um, referencing equity and action. So again, Tori mentioned equity and action. So we are um, founding members of uh, there's six of us that have created a research group that is looking at how we can create welcoming spaces um, at professional development uh, situations, and we have a website. um, that offers lots of resources and we go to the Q affiliates that are in Southern California because this is where most of us live and we've just been doing the work of trying to create a more diverse um, professional setting for people and, and welcoming spaces there so Brett will have a wakelet that uh, Tori and I have created um, with tons of resources in this conversation that we've had today, as well as we'll add in our Equity in Action website so that you guys can um, access us, uh, follow us on Twitter, look at the work that we're doing. And if there's any questions, we would be happy to work with you or to further explain something. Or if there's something that we've said that has offended you, please let us know and teach us, teach us what we need to, to know as well, because this is a time for that. So please do, you know, we're, we're here to learn as well.
0: Love it. Love it. So yeah. Uh, for for people listening, if you go to brentcody on the podcast page, I'll have the link to to the the website plus that wakelet. I uh, was looking at it before we started recording. Some great great resources. And uh, Nyree, what's your Twitter handle for everybody?
1: Thank you. I am at Miss N Y R E E Clark.
0: All right, and all together all together. Tori, yours is I am
2: at that dope teacher.
1: Okay.
2: That is, <laughs> that is it. Because
1: that dope. Also,
2: I wanted to kind of say, um, for those who do want to educate themselves right now and aren't really book readers, there are some really good documentaries out there right now. Netflix has made a fantastic section on their, um, you know, platform of all black documentaries and movies, and it's going to be a tough watch for sure. It's going to be a tough watch. It's no Tiger King, so you won't be, you know, having. <laughs> For me, but I think it's very necessary going forward because what's, what's going on right now is happening regardless so when we do return back to our professional settings and you're around your um, African American co-workers it's, it's going to be weird at first, we can acknowledge that it's going to be weird at first and you're going to want to know what side you're on immediately and so if you really want to educate yourself so you can go in there better prepared um, I highly recommend that I also recommend looking at HBCUs um, I hadn't even heard of HBCUs until I graduated high school or was close to graduating high school. So I know there's still African-American families out there who have not heard of HBCUs. It's okay for you kids to go there. It is not lesser. Look at where I'm at. I'm out here doing fantastic right now, thanks to the Gramic State University. And they're going to have a great time. And I think high schools should talk about HBCUs more as well. It's not, I mean, I know we're in California. You want to talk about, you know, the UCs and the Cal States and stuff, but HBCUs are great too, and they're not lesser than. So, yeah, that's all I want to
0: kind of say. Love it, love it. Well, Nairi, Tori, thank you again, uh, and for everybody listening, thank you. As I say, pretty much at every episode, thanks for listening. Hope you got something out of this, even if you didn't, I did. So, <laughs> uh, it's, but 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 I'm but I'm guessing that people are getting something out of this because. Thank you for helping create a, a safe space. Uh, hopefully people have been able to stretch themselves in a safe way and it's prompted them to, to whether it's pop on Netflix, get on a book on Audible, start reading those blog posts or just getting on Twitter and, and doing that. Just be uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Be uncomfortable Absolutely.
0: because that's how we grow. So. Thank, and, you
1: so uh, much, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Brett.
0: Absolutely. Thank you both of you. And again, for everyone listening, if you haven't already subscribed, be sure to subscribe to the podcast Teaching Tales. It's in uh, iTunes. You can find it on Google Play, Spotify, uh, Stitch, uh, Stitcher, or you can listen directly on my website at BrentColey.com on the podcast page. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be safe and have a good one.